0: So last week we did an overview of kind of like where we're going, the big idea, the big picture of the sermon series. Today we're going to answer the question of why. Why do we uh, endeavor to, to uh, partake in different spiritual disciplines? We're answering the question why. And then the remainder of the sermon series will be the what. What do we do? What do we do? Again, today's the why. Um, And so if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hands. One of our ushers will bring you one. Um, And it's our gift to you. If you don't have one, this is take it, keep it, read it. Um, And so last week we saw that a disciple of Jesus, uh, Jesus says this, that a disciple is not above his teacher, um, but everyone who, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. And so we are trying to be trained in likeness. That's what discipleship is, where Jesus is is, uh, the captain. We're learning. He's the teacher. We're learning from him. We're being formed by him. And so one of the things that Jesus often did is we're going to look at today is he withdrew for silence and solitude. So what is that? The purpose is not just simply being silent. Uh, this is not just some Eastern ph- philosophical idea to go get some zen and get alone, but this is, uh, silence and solitude is for the purpose of drawing, withdrawing in order to draw near to God our Heavenly Father. Uh, it's Father's Day, happy Father's Day, men, uh, and the, we all have a father. You know, we have God is our Father, and so, man, this is the big idea, is that we're going to withdraw to be near God our Father. And so, this is a di- discipline, I will say, that is often forsaken, especially in our day and age, in our culture, in our day, Uh, we don't like being alone. Really, as a, as as a people, we don't like being alone. More so, we don't like being quiet. Some of you are like, I like my alone time. Yeah, but you busy your alone time with noise, whether it be YouTube, Instagram, social media, TV, music, like like sound, something that's filling your ears with either a message uh, uh, or 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 just you know drowning your 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 life out with just uh, endless reels of content that are that are meaning, meaningless. But they're forming you. They're forming you. They're forming your desires. And so many of us just we do not like being alone. We do not like being silent. Uh, uh, and so when we do get alone, it's really for, you know, uh, to get on our phone, to get away, to, to have some me time with, uh, not with Jesus, not with God or Heavenly Father, but with uh, whatever um, app, whatever social media device we want to do to uh, distract us from the world we live in. So that that's that's a struggle for us as a people, as a nation, but particularly Christians who've been formed uh, by the nation in which we, we live in, in the world we live in. So for the Christian, you need to understand this. There's no such thing as being alone. Uh, there's no such thing as being alone. Some people are afraid of being alone because they don't want to be alone. They don't want to be uh, alone with their thoughts. You're afraid of being alone with your thoughts. Uh, the re- reality is if you're a Christian, you're never actually alone. Jesus is with you. The Holy Spirit of God indwells you. Jesus said in the Great Commission that, that he will never leave you nor forsake you, that, that right, he will be with us Till the end of the age. Jesus tells us he will be with us always. That means here on earth and then in the new heavens new earth, Jesus will be with us ruling and reigning forever. Jesus is with us. That's what we need to understand. So there's not really uh, alone. Being alone for the Christian is not uh, isolation and, and separation from God, but it's withdrawing to be alone with God, with someone, with God himself. Meaning that for the Christian, we got to put up our phones, we got to put them down, put away the TV, you know, you know, unplug the podcast, and get alone to be with God. And see, in Jesus' day, they didn't have so many distractions as we have. Not saying it was easy, not saying it didn't take discipline. But there is a real reality that for, for the Christian in our world today, this, this silence and solitude is a discipline that has not been practiced, but must be undergone and must be sought, and it will be hard. I just, just go alone for like ten minutes and, and with no phone and just silence. And quickly, you just don't know what to do. Twenty minutes, it gets even worse. We're like after thirty minutes, like. I, is, am I in prison? Like, that's how, how we feel. We need something. You find yourself looking for your phone. When you're sitting on the couch, you find yourself just, just feeling, you, you feel like phantom vibrations in your pocket when your phone's not there because you think, like, someone must be texting me. They're not. Like, imagine if this was your reality, and it, it is, it's God's always wanting to commune with you, be with you. He's always present, and it, there's always an opportunity to draw near him. So for the Christian, this spiritual discipline of silence and solitude will be difficult in our day and age because we will have to put away uh, the, the things that are, that are vying for our attention. Additionally, I want to say when it comes to uh, being alone, seeking the Lord God uh, in silence and solitude, we ha- we've been studying 1 Corinthians, and when, after this summer, after this series, when we jump into the fall, we'll, we'll look at spiritual gifts. If we're going to understand uh, the, the idea of spiritual gifts, uh, we, we must, uh, or we, we're, if we're going to study it, we must understand that there's, there must be an enjoyment and a seeking of the presence of God, or those gifts are, are pretty useless. Without the presence and seeking the face of God. Like Paul will say it in 1 Corinthians 13 that the overflow from that will be love. And then if you don't love, then you're just like a noisy gong, you're just annoying. Like, and so Christians who are not communing with God their Father, getting alone, hearing from him, longing for Jesus, wanting Jesus more than the gifts are annoying. That's what he says. And so for us to get there, this sermon series will actually kind of set the tone, set our hearts for us to get, jump back into 1 Corinthians in the fall. So there is a reality that the, any movement and mighty revival and power of God that's been on display in human history has started in, in, with men and women going before the face of God in silence, solitude, seeking the face, the power, the presence of God. We see in the beginning of Acts, before the Holy Spirit comes, that they've, they've withdrawn, and they're praying, seeking God. Any revival and, and movement that we've seen starts this way. And if you want a revival in your own heart, this is where it starts as well. Getting alone with your Heavenly Father. And so we want to be like Jesus, and so let's look at this example. Luke 5, 16. It says this, that he would, meaning Jesus, often withdraw to desolate places to pray. Some of your translations say often. ESV uh, doesn't, but he does do it often. So I'm going to give you a bunch of other uh, examples where he does it. Uh, and so what the idea here is that it's a regular rhythm for Jesus. Matthew 14, 23, after he dismissed the crowds, so after a long day of work and ministry, he, dis- he dismissed the crowds. He went up on the mountain. So he went for a hike uh, and by himself to pray. And when the evening had come, he was there alone. So he's alone on the mountain to pray. So he, he went for a hike after ministry. He didn't. He, that's what he went to do. Um, he went to commune with his Father, Heavenly Father, our, our Father. Uh, Mark 1, 35, it says this about Jesus. When, uh, and rising up very early in the morning, while it was still dark he departed and went out to a desolate place or into the wilderness uh, where he prayed. Again, we see Jesus doing again, this again. In the morning, he's waking up. So some of you, uh, for, you, you need to wake up in the morning because it's the only time where you're gonna get a long time with Jesus. It's the only time, it's in the morning. You're like, I'm not a morning person. Well, are you a Jesus person? I'll let you take that up with him. We're following his example. Uh, and what does he do? He's praying, he's praying. What is prayer? Prayer is simply talking to God, talking to God. It's having a conversation with God. Listening to, to him. Like a, a, a relationship. If you want a, to cultivate a, a, an abiding relationship with the Lord Jesus and, and have a thriving life as a Christian, you must get alone with him and talk. So Jesus does it. I just, just look at this. If Jesus, sinless Jesus... Needed to reconnect to the Father, be filled with the, the, the Holy Spirit and empowered continually, often, regularly for his life and ministry, for his well-being and, and his, his time on earth. If he, was, if he needed that, how much more do we need it? How much more do we need it? But far too often when we think of uh, devotions or quiet times as, as Christians, we, we don't understand the why behind it. We don't understand the why behind it. We, we're now seeing the what. We see, okay, in Luke 4, 42, we see, okay, then one day he departed and went to a desolate place. Okay, Jesus did it again. In Mark 6, 31, come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest. Okay, we get that Jesus did it, but why? Why are we doing it? I, I see that Jesus did it and he did it often, but but, but why? Well, why, why did he? He, went, he withdrew to be near his heavenly father. That's the first reason why he did it. And why do we do it? First reason, we want to be like Jesus. And, and, and number two, we need to. We need to. And so let me, let, me go, let me do this. We're going to give seven different reasons for silence and solitude according to the scriptures. So these are a bunch of different reasons why you would want to draw near your heavenly father. So you know what to do, draw near your heavenly father. You know, Jesus did it often, frequently, but, but for what purpose, for what purpose, why would I draw near and what are the different ways? Instead of just, uh, we have in our mind, like Christians are supposed to read their Bible, they're supposed to pray, they're supposed to get along, uh, alone with God, but, but, but why? I'm gonna give you seven reasons. I could give you probably more, but uh, for the sake of time, I'm gonna give you seven I'm going to try to be as clear as possible, but yet not long-winded on these. Uh, Pray for me. Uh, Number one, hear the voice of God. That's the first reason. That's one of the reasons why we we withdraw to, to be alone with our Heavenly Father is to hear His voice. It means we've got to unplug from all the other voices that we hear in our life. And so we see this in, in 1 Kings 19, uh, selected verses in, throughout 9, verses 9 through 13. It says this, there he came, and this is Elijah, he came to a cave and lodged in it. So he's already alone, silent solitude, he's in a cave. Um, some of us uh, are cave people, some of us are not. Just so if, you're, if this is not you, then pick your place, maybe it's your car. Um, you, you know, and he, what happens is, behold, the word of the Lord came to him. So God's going to speak. And he, fast forward, he goes, to, and behold, the, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind, so with, with, with loud energy, uh, the Lord p- passed by with wind and tore through the mountains and broke pieces of rock b- b- uh, before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. Again, a big uh, a noisy, big, you know, b- uh, very clear that, that something's going on an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire was the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. So what Elijah is doing, he's getting alone. He's getting alone with a purpose of hearing from God. He wants to hear from God, and he's waiting on the Lord. And he's waiting, and, and, and he sees the big things. He sees the wind, or feels the effects of the wind, uh, feels the earthquake, sees the fire, big events. Uh, but but where he really hears the Lord, and when the Lord is, is he had to wait to hear the, the, the small voice of the Lord, the whisper of the Lord. What I'm trying to say is it's easy to see the earthquakes, when life is crazy and like there's an earthquake, you see God speak. God is speaking. Big things are happening. Ah, he got my attention. But how often do we withdraw to hear the whisper of the Lord? Because here's the reality. 100% of the time, God is speaking. God is always speaking. Actually, the psalmist says day by day, uh, he pours out speech. Night by night, he reveals knowledge. Like God is speaking all the time. We typically only hear him when he's loud. Earthquakes. Thunder, lightning, like when God speaks in a big, boisterous way. When he, when he knocks us off our horse like he did the Apostle Paul, when he, when he invades the, the noise and all the things that we're filling our lives with, when he invades it, he, he totally wrecks shop of our life. We're like, we're aware. But I need you to see for the Christian, God's voice, his presence, and nearness is available to you every day. You don't have to have like some catastrophic, catastrophic event to hear from God. Elijah's alone. He's getting quiet. We must slow down long enough to hear from the Lord. Most Christians don't even know how to hear from the Lord. They don't know how to hear a powerful whisper of the Holy Spirit. And, and because and I would say it's not because they're unable to. It's because they're so distracted. So distracted. And so wrongly sometimes, because we haven't heard the, the, the whisper of the Lord and the... And the, the God speaking. We just assume He doesn't speak anymore. He just doesn't speak. I haven't heard it, so yeah. I, I also haven't seen the country of Australia, but I'm not like those naysayers who say it doesn't be- exist. I think it does. I just haven't seen it. Haven't been there. And so, just because you haven't, you don't, you're not regularly uh, hearing from the Lord, and, and, and like like we're seeing here, hearing the voice of God, doesn't mean He's not speaking. It might just be you're just unable to hear. And so we might need to withdraw uh, to hear the small voice of God. And I'm not talking about a necessarily an audible voice of God. What I'm talking about is at the soul level where you just know God is present and God is speaking and God is talking. In Habakkuk 2.1, Habakkuk withdraws for the same reason, to get alone with the Lord, to hear from God. He says this way, I will take my stand at my watch post station by myself on the tower and look out and see what God will say to me. He's at work. He's, he's, he's taking his, his nightly post out on the, on the watchtower. And so this is like you're alone at your job. You have a moment, and, and he has this moment. He has a moment alone at his work, and what is he going to do? He's asking God to speak. He's asking God to speak. See, the issue is not where, it's just when are you getting away. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be on a mountain. It could be in the car. It could be in the shower. It could be you know, in the bathroom. Wherever it is that you can be alone for a moment, pausing with the posture where you want to hear the voice of God. Jesus says it this way, that he says the sheep, his sheep know his voice. The sheep know his voice. So Christians should know and be able to discern, is God speaking to me? And and one of the ways we do know is that through the scriptures, if you know your Bible, you'll know when the voice you hear contradicts it. If the voice you're hearing contradicts the scripture, it ain't God. But far too often, Christians only want to, you know, they they only come to God's word to get information, and they're not listening for the voice of God throughout the rest of their day and the rest of their life. God, what do you want me to do in this circumstance? How do I need to respond? What is it that you're prompting me, you're asking me to do? It takes a, a type of silence and solitude withdrawn, to hear this. And so we must, uh, in, order, in order to cultivate knowing how to discern and hear the voice of God, it does mean that we've got to know God's word. So there should be seasons and times for the Christian in which you get alone for silence and solitude in order to specifically read the Bible, hear from God from his word, but also study it so that you can know your God. Like, it, 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 intense study. There, there are times and seasons where that must be done so God's people can know who they are, who He is. It may mean buying some commentaries. It may mean nerding out. It may mean getting to, getting to know God and informing your mind so that you, from there you can go out and live your life in such a way that you, you, you're able to hear and discern the voice of God. This is, when you look at anyone who's trained in any, any sport, uh, with any weapon, with anything, there's times of training that are supposed to translate into reality. Like a, like a sports like a team, when they're practicing, they're practicing not for practice so that they can go out and play the game. You're practicing how to shoot your weapon so that you know how to do it in real time. You're practicing a martial art or, or self-defense or any of these things so that you can do it in real time. When, when God's people are withdrawing, reading God's word, are you reading the Bible so that you can go walk with Jesus in real time? Or it's just an intellectual exercise for you. One is godly, the other is not. I would even say the other one's a little demonic, because Satan knows God really well. And he's not, he's not getting to know God for the purpose of worshiping him, to following him. It's using him. Trying, trying to usurp him. And so we we get alone uh, to... to to be in the presence of God, to hear from God, to learn from God, to know our God. Additionally, John the Baptist, Jesus, and the Apostle Paul withdrew for silence and solitude for the purpose of training and preparation for ministry. We see this with John the Baptist was in the wilderness. He was in the desolate place, and that's where he grew up, and that's where he was having his formative years. That's where he was getting prepared for his life and his prophetic ministry where he would come out and boldly proclaim the Word of God. And guess what? They hated him. Guess what? They killed him. And, and how, do you, how did he have the confidence and boldness to do this? Well, he was regularly practicing getting alone, being with God the Father. So he knew that if they opposed him, that God did not He could stand against the tyrants of the time because he knew his God. Additionally, Jesus, uh, before he started his ministry, he withdrew for, into the wilderness and was tempted by Satan. Like there was a temptation that shows, Satan shows up and tries to rob him of his time of preparation. Additionally, the Apostle Paul, once he gets saved, he spends three years in Arabia in preparation for ministry. So God may be calling you to ministry, but what he is, and, and if he is, he's definitely calling you to a time of preparation. It's not necessarily seminary, but it is getting alone and being with him and knowing him and his word. It is. And so I want us to see that this God is a father who loves his children and just wants to be with them. He wants to talk to them, impart wisdom. Yesterday, my, my son and I were driving. We're alone, and it was just this cool moment where I was reflecting on the sermon, but we're talking. and like, this is the moment. This is like silence and solitude. We're alone, and I'm talking to him. A father pouring into his son, telling him he's proud of him, talking about the day. Hey, what was fun? What, hey, it, it, this is that moment. That's what God wants to do with us his children. And so... The next thing we see is it's similar to hearing the voice of God, but it's also the next is seeking his presence. So we want to hear from him, and then we also want we want him, just him, be with him. Like how many of you, like you're, you're, you're a quality time person, and you just want to be with the people you love. You just want to be with them. Like you don't need to do anything. You don't care what you do. You just want to be present. That's God. He wants to be with you, and he wants us to want to be with him. And so, just like I'm a father who loves being with my kids, God is an even better father who loves being with His kids. And so, we must seek the presence of God. And we see this with Moses in, in Exodus 33:18 through 22. Moses, Moses says this: "Please show me your glory." This is this is the idea of uh, I want to see your face, God. I want to see your presence. I want to experience the fullness of who you are, God. And, and God says, you know, he says this in verse 22, while my glory passes, I'm going to pass by you with my glory, but you're not going to see it all. He says, but I will, I will put you in the cleft of the rocks, so I'm going to hide you in the rocks, and I will cover you with my hand. It's like, he's going to give him the Heisman, and then he's going to just pass by him. And then you're going to look back and you're going to see where I was, and that's going to be awesome. That's what Moses wants. He's just like, I want you, God. He's up on the mountain. Why is he on the mountain? He's gotten the Ten Commandments So this is Moses, he's read the Bible, he has the scriptures, he has the Ten Commandments, and and, and he's studied, he knows about God. What does that result in? It, It results in wanting to be in the presence of God. So if you are reading your Bible, studying your Bible, and it doesn't lead you to want to be in the presence of God, you're missing it. You're missing it. Now, I'm not saying that every moment at every time, Moses was like, ah, show me your glory. This was like, ah, he was, he, was, he was pumped. He had some really awful days. We have some really hard times. But I want us to see that there should be a desire in us as we read God's word to not just have information, but to want to be near the guy who wrote the book to talk to us, to want to want God. God. So many Christians are stuck in studying, and they're strong, and they're intellectual, and we attract a lot of those here to our church. And I get it. That's I like nerding out. I like books of the Bible. I like study. I like knowledge. But guess what's better than all that? The presence of God. Like, give me one person who hungers for the presence of God over nine hundred Bible scholars, and we'll take on the world. We'll change the city. I promise you, God can use people with really bad theology who want his presence. And he would more likely use them than great theologians who don't desire the presence of God. One has power, the other doesn't. One is glory to himself, one is glory to God. I'm telling you, I love, I want to be right, I want to be accurate, I want to be clear. But the presence of God is what we ought to be after. It's God himself. It's like knowing all about your father, your family, but never enjoying a relationship with him. Some of you, that's your, this is why Father's Day is hard for you, is because you have a lot of uh, uh, stories about your father, even good ones, and he has a great legacy. He made a great name for himself. He was, a, he was an honorable dude, and a lot of people liked him, but you weren't close with him. It's so like, I can talk a lot about my dad, but it's just, we're, we're distant. Christian, I plead with you, don't have that type of relationship with God the Father where you can talk about all, how, all the good deeds and all the great things that God has done, how awesome he is, but you yourself are diff, distant. I would rather you be near God than to, to be able to quote a bunch of facts about him. Guess what ends up happening when you really know him? You can, you know, the information sharing becomes really easy. It becomes really easy. Number three, worshiping God. So we, we draw near to God to hear from him. We want to seek his presence. And then what is that overflowing? Worship, worship him. And so Abraham in, in uh, Genesis 22, 5 says well, he, he was with his son, and they were they were going out, uh, and he's, he said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you again. So what we know, if you know the story of Abraham, what he's going to do, God has told him to, to make a sacrifice and to take Isaac and offer him as a sacrifice. Uh, God has planned to, to provide a uh, uh, another sacrifice, Abraham's doesn't know all the details but he knows that God will provide so he doesn't know this so he's like hey we're gonna worship we're gonna come back so he has this idea in reality that that God will provide something uh uh, and, and, and Isaac will not be sacrificed if he will he'll be resurrected or something cool like that and so that's what Abraham's going on in his mind and so he's going to withdraw to to worship God and that's what he says he's going to go make a sacrifice and he says he's going to go worship and come again in Zephaniah 1.7, so we have another version of worship where Zephaniah is coming before the Lord. He says, be silent before the Lord. So the idea here is worship is two things in the Old Testament. It's adoration. It's, it's what Zephaniah is doing. It's being silent, being in awe, in wonder, in adoration before the Lord. God is big and He's other. we're in awe of, of His majesty. That's what Zephaniah is saying. It's adoration. But there in Genesis, Abraham is, is showing an action, which we see this action is a form of, is, the term is worship. We often tend to think worship is just singing songs or, or adoring God. It's both. It's adoring God, but it's also obeying God. So what Abraham is doing is he's, going, he's obeying God through, uh, through action. God has told him to do something, so he's got to obey so getting alone for silence and solitude in worship uh, results in adoration, of course, standing in silence in awe of God. But oftentimes when we draw near to God to hear his voice and to seek his face and to, to be in his presence, he asks us to do something. He convicts us of sin or he makes us aware like, hey, I want you to, to, to walk in obedience like this. Like, Abraham, I have some, a task for you. I want you to do so. I need you to understand obeying God outside your time of silence and solitude is Worship as well, just as much as being alone is. And so we d- withdraw to hear from God, but ultimately because we want to worship God, not just in our silence and solitude, but with our actions as we leave the silence and solitude time. And so sometimes we get alone to seek the presence of God and hear the voice of God, and, and, and God demands that we act. He speaks. Additionally, sometimes He, uh, he calls us to repentance, to, to repent of unbelief, maybe specific sins. Which leads us to number four so we're worshiping the overflow of that is oftentimes repentance repentance of sin we're looking Isaiah 6 1 through 7 and we're going to look at this encounter that Isaiah comes into the presence of God so he's done one through three he's doing one through three and this is what happens sometimes when one through three happens I saw the Lord seated on the throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple above him stood the seraphim and they each had six wings two covered his face with the other two he covered his feet and the other two flew uh, and the other one and one called to another and said holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory so they're even declaring what moses was longing for like there is the glory of god he's holy he's set apart he's so beautiful so majestic so powerful that they're covering their body they're covering their eyes and, and the, the foundations of the threshold shook, and the voice of the Lord who called, filled, uh, of the house was filled. So God is speaking. God shows up. God is present. And when he speaks, it's like thunder, Everything's shaking. The, the angels there and the seraphim there hiding their face because God is so glorious. The place is filled with smoke. And Isaiah says to him, Woe is me, I am lost. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king. The Lord of Hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew, having in his hand a burning coal that was taken from uh, with tongs from the altar, and touched. He touched my mouth and said, "Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for." What I want us to see is Isaiah comes into the presence of God. He withdraws to get alone with God, and he encounters the presence of God. He's aware and in awe of God's holiness. And what does he say? Woe is me. He literally says, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. He sees, he feels, this is a palatable, like he feels the presence of God in a powerful way. It takes his breath away. He feels like, he, like Moses, like he's coming undone, going to die, seeing the presence of God fully. And what does he start doing? Immediately, aware of the presence of God, what does he do? He starts confessing sin and the sins of his friends. My lips are unclean and so is everyone else. Like we are really... We sin, God. He's aware of his sin. He's aware of his sin. It's far too often, we live in a world that, that, that we don't want to be aware of our sin because we feel that uh, guilt and shame. We're like, I don't want to be. This is, he's aware of it and he's gladly confessing. I am guilty. I have no problem admitting it. I need you to see this. When you come into the presence of God, particularly uh, it, when, when we see him face to face, every knee will bow and every mouth will be shut. There will be no excuses that anyone can have. The presence of God will be so palatable that we'll all confess we're guilty. No one's going to be, I'm not guilty. Everyone's going to say, I am guilty. If that's going to happen, let's go ahead and adopt it now. Enter the presence of God, confess our sin, be willing to admit we were wrong. And what happens? He confesses his sins, and then he gets forgiveness. This is the gospel. Confess your sins, receive forgiveness. God is willing and able and wanting to forgive you of your sin. Get alone. Hear from God. Read, study His Word. Seek His presence. Come into His presence. Encounter His holiness. When you do, you'll be aware of your sin. If you're like me, when you're reading the Bible, you're like, I'm reading this and like, I'm guilty. We have two options in that moment. We can either admit that we're wrong like uh, uh, Isaiah, Isaiah and confess our sin, or we could just edit the Scriptures. We see that we're wrong. We see God is willing to forgive. And so God gives us a holy distaste for our sin. We confess it. We receive forgiveness. We remember the gospel. We turn from it. We cling to him. And we get our sins uh, atoned for. And after this, actually, it's not on the screen, but Isaiah, uh, actually, after this, we will hear from God. He hears his ministry call after this. God calls him in the ministry after this. Some of us... Or are not struggling to hear from God because we're not making time. Some of us are struggling to hear from God because we won't repent. We're getting alone. We know our sin. But we're not turning from it. We're hearing it. Sermons. We're going to hear it. Like, I know where I'm wrong. I know where I need to change. I know where I need to walk in forgiveness. I know I, 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 and so you're not hearing from God regularly because you're, you're not walking with him. Like you're 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 doing the things, you're getting alone for silence and solitude, you're opening your bible to pray, you're 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 saying prayers that that seem to be holy and right and and they're good. But when it comes to the, like turning from sin, just I'm not going to do that one. Oh, I'll just brush it off. Some of us can't hear from God because we won't get away. Some of us won't some of us who have gotten away well, can't hear from God because we, we are not encountering the power and presence of holy conviction. Like, I don't want this sin anymore. And the turning of repentance. If you're aware of your sin, turn. If you're not aware, ask God to reveal it. That's what the psalmist does. Hey, help me to see it. I want it to see it so I can turn from it. See, we can't play off our sin as a big deal, because if it was, or we can't play it off as if it's not a big deal, because if it wasn't a big deal, then Jesus wouldn't have died. I mean, your sin killed Jesus. My sin killed Jesus. It's a big deal. And so next we see that if we're aware of our sin, we need to fight our sin. Fight it. Not cuddle with it, not coddle it, coddle it not, you know... Uh, You just can merely confess it and not, we need to fight it. We need to fight it. So we get away from silence and solitude for power to fight temptation and sin. And so this is where God gives us a holy distaste by the power of his spirit of sin. Additionally, the the Holy Spirit is given to us to help fight our sin. told in Romans 8 that if by the spirit we put the death, the deeds of the body, we will have life. We will live. We see Jesus withdrawing to fight temptation. This is amazing. Jesus never sinned, but he did fight temptation. He did fight temptation. Matthew 4, 1, it says this, that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, silent solitude, to what be tempted by the devil. Jesus gets led alone into the wilderness in order to to put up a fight against Satan, to to throw down. This is like the octagon, the cage. The cage is locked, 40 days. Jesus and, and Satan are gonna go at it. And what Jesus actually uses is the Bible to fight him. But you know who also uses the Bible? Satan. He, use, he misuses and misquotes the scripture to Jesus, to, get G, to tempt Jesus into forsaking his mission, to atone for sins of the world. I, I need you to see this. The reason why Jesus went alone to fight temptation and he succeeded there, the reason why he did that is because we fail. He did it in our place. Jesus Went away, fought temptation, resisted the devil in our place for us. So that James 4, 7 through 8 can be true. That we can now, by his spirit, by his power, through faith and repentance in Jesus, can now walk in what James tells us in James 4, 7 through 8. He says this, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Sometimes we have no power over sin because we don't get alone with God to beg him for power and to fight. Beg him to fight. I just remember times where I've had, experienced great freedom over things in my life is when I was just, I can't do this anymore. I'm fed up with it with myself and sin in my own heart and I would withdraw. And I would just like, we would, I would just talk and pour out my heart to God and ask and beg for his power over, to overcome the strongholds in my life. Read Psalm 119. This is what the psalmist does. He's like, make me to want your word, God. He says, I can't, you got to make me and give me a heart to want, want you. When God does that, there's power, there's freedom. And so sometimes we gotta get, al- we, we, we gotta get alone to, to, to plead with God or to process things with God, uh, to, to, to seek freedom. You're tired of your sins, you're gonna go plead with God and you're like, God, I'm tired of this. And then you're gonna process this. You're, why do I keep finding myself in this situation? So Maybe you're verbally processing with God in prayer like this. God, why am I getting into this? Why am I always finding myself here? What do I need to do? What plan do I need to, to implement? How do I need to make safeguards? What action steps do I need to take? This is what's going on. This is what we must do. So then what do we do when he speaks to us and says, and we're aware, like, oh, here's some action steps we need to take, and this is how we can guard our hearts, and this is how we can navigate and overcome temptations. And what we do, we submit ourselves to God. James 4, 7, we submit ourselves to God. And then what do we do? We resist the devil. You're like, well, oh, I can't resist them. Yeah, you can because the same spirit that empowered Jesus in the wilderness lives in you. You can resist him. He's already got a lethal blow, he's already been defeated, he's already been dethroned. Jesus is the king, and his spirit lives in you. So when Satan shows up, just, uh, man, I was going to say something that I couldn't say on this thing, Mike. Punch him in the face. That's what you do. You do. You resist him. Walk away. Get away from him. Resist. And you're like, I don't, I don't have power for that. You do. You do. And the more you're acquainted with God and the presence of God, the more you remember that you have the power. And so you're submitting to God. You're not, you're not, you're not fighting him in your own strength. You're fighting him under the power and the banner of Jesus. And so there's a willful resistance to the devil himself and to the flesh and to temptation, a willful saying I will not. Even if you feel like you want to, you say I will not. I resist. So today many Christians this is a this is a pet peeve of mine. So many Christians today talk a big game about resisting tyranny and tyrants, but don't resist temptation. Drives me crazy. Like, well, we're going to stand up against the government, blah, blah, blah. No, you're not. You don't stand up against your own flesh. You don't resist the devil. Because you know what? He will flee. Like, well, I'm going to, like, the guy who, the the one who is going to flee at the name of Jesus, you just step up and go, nope, I stand with Jesus. You got to back up, and he's going to back up. Government ain't going to back up. How are you going to fight the ones who come after you? Uh, the, the, the the true the true tyranny that comes for you. How are you going to stand up to that if you can't even step up to the devil who will just leave, right away? I need to see this, that we have been given a spirit empowered rebellion and resistance that needs to just be acted on. Resist the devil, and he will flee. That's all he's like. It's real simple. Resist him, and he will flee. And don't just stand there after, and go, oh, I'm a hero, I resisted you. What does he say? He says, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw near to God. You need to resist him quickly, and he's going to flee, but you need to not stand there with your hands held high and look at what you did, because he's going to come back for, with the left hook. It's coming, and you're going to be leveled, because you're boasting in your own strength. You're not submitting to the will of God. You resist him and you flee. Where do you flee to? You flee to your refuge, your strength, to God, the God of angel armies, the Lord of hosts. You'll draw near to him. And what does he say? After you draw near to him, he's going to draw near to you. He's coming ready. And in that moment, you, t- you, you become aware that, okay, I was very tempted to, uh, to, 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 to fall in line with the, with the enemy, to join the ranks in rebellion. And so there needs to be a cleansing. There's a confessing, God. You know, I was tempted, and I almost, and and, and actually did uh, uh, engage in the temptation for a moment, or, or for a long time, or uh, or I almost did. God, I'm aware that my heart is prone to to want something other than you. So there's this confession of sin, this cleansing of your hands, this repentance, this turning to Jesus. Additionally, there's this remembering that that that, that the, the cross of Christ cleans your hands, you sinner, purify your hearts. How can you have a pure heart? It's through the the sin. It, sin sacrifice of Jesus Christ in your place for your sins. you remember that, no, I really am a son of God. I really am a daughter of God. I really have been changed. I really have been saved. Uh, And that I resisted the temptation. I'm beloved. I'm adopted. I'm near God. You have to remember these things. Call these things to mind. And then you continue following him. And when you don't, here's the reality of temptation. What it does is it says you're double-minded. Temptation makes us double-minded. It tempts us to serve two masters to serve two masters. And so we must get alone, fight sin, fight temptation by remembering our king, what he's done in our place for our sin, where he's given us the power, and then walk out in obedience and resist the devil. He will flee. Number six, we must get alone for silence is all to discern the will of God. This is going to be Jesus. If Jesus needs to get alone to hear, discern the will of God, you do. He's God. I just need you to see this. like He's God in the flesh, and he's about to get alone multiple times to hear from his heavenly father, to get his marching orders to what to do in his ministry. Luke 6, 12 through 13 says this, in these days he, meaning Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. He's praying all night. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose them, the 12 whom he named apostles. What he did before he picked the 12, he went alone to pray, make sure they were the right guys. And you're like, well, he must not have prayed hard enough because there was a Judas. No, Judas was hand-picked for, for the rebellion. Like, he picked Judas on purpose. So he was like, probably, you know, when we see Jesus in the garden praying, uh, God, we take this, 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 this from me? Do I have to go to the cross? Do I have, I'm, I'm, I, is there any way to do this? It's probably what he was doing with Judas. I don't know. Don't, don't quote me on it. But, like, he's probably, really, this guy? <laughs> this guy's a, He's going to steal from me. Do we really want this guy? He did. He, pit, he went alone to be with the heavenly, his heavenly Father, God our Father, in order to discern his will. And he picked the 12 from there after night, a night of prayer. So, what I want you to see is this before a big decision, before future plans, uh, financial decisions, you got to get away and hear from God. What do I do? God, where do we go? Well, especially if you're a father uh, or a husband leading your family, you got to get alone and figure out where you're going. Hear from God. And if you're married, you, you should consult your wife, and y'all should be in agreement on, on where you're going. But, but there's this got to get alone, hear from God. Not just this, I'll pray about it, but like, pray about it and journal, think, pray, ask God what you want, what he wants from you. Maybe you, you need to, after that time of silent solitude, seek godly counsel, but far too often, we're, we're more willing to seek godly counsel first before we get alone and seek God for his counsel. Jesus is called the wonderful counselor. Just saying, he's got the best counsel. In Luke 4, 42 through 43, it says this, that when it, this is Jesus, when it was day, he departed and went to a desolate place. And again, so he's there praying. And, and the people sought him. And this is Jesus. And they came to him uh, and, and would have kept him from leaving. So they wanted him to stay there. And so what he had just ended up doing is that he was, he was casting out demons the night before, healing a bunch of people. Then he withdrew to the mountain to pray. And, at, and in the morning, daybreak, they come looking for him, and they have more stuff for him to do. If he would have listened to them, he would have done what they asked. They would have kept him from leaving. And so they had tasks. They had work for him to do. But what does he say? But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom in other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. This is my calling. Jesus says no to casting out demons in this time in Capernaum. He he, he says no to uh, healing people of their diseases. He says no to a bunch of ministry. To say yes to his calling, discerning the will of God. To go preach. God the Father is just talking to him. He said no to this one today. He said go there to preach the kingdom. That's what I got to do. Guess what he does along the way? He heals some people, casts out some demons. He keeps the thing going. But his purpose is he's, he's able to discern, God, what do you want me to do? And what I'm saying here is that we must be able to discern uh, what God wants us to do over the potential there is for us to do. There's a lot of potential for us to do. There's a lot of stuff that must be done. And so this is, this is you got to think, what, not what can I do, but what must I do? And you must hear from God on that. Number seven, refreshment and nourishment from God. Another reason to seek silence and solitude. Mark 6.31 says, And he said to them, Come away, he's talking to his disciples, to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure to even eat. So sometimes we must withdraw. Silent solitude, to be with God for refreshment and nourishment. Just reminded of this, actually, I believe this is the same scene where Jesus tells his disciples, come withdraw, because they'd just been doing a lot of ministry, and they had just been, John the Baptist had just died, and he says, come withdraw. I think they withdrew, they got on a boat, and there was a storm, just saying. Like, I don't think they ever got the rest, like how we are thinking of it now. I just need you to understand, it's not the, the actual stopping and pausing from the busyness and craziness of life, it's coming to God for rest and nourishment. So what ends up happening is they withdraw Jesus says, hey, you need rest. We're going to come to a desolate place. That's so what they're going to do is get on a boat to go to the desolate place, and, and there's going to be a storm while they're traveling. So it's going to get crazy. They're not going to get a good night's sleep. like, well, Jesus, you said rest. I didn't get a good night's sleep. And they get to the other side. Guess where there's going to be 5,000 people that they need to feed? like, when did we get to rest? Ever felt like that? Like I got along to rest, and you're like, I didn't rest. Well, resting is only rest when you're resting in the presence of God. So sometimes we need to get along. So the, the idea is withdrawing for the purpose of being near God. If, if, it, doesn't, if it goes uh, not according to your plan, that's okay because God's there. Jesus sleeps in the storms. He doesn't ha- he doesn't, he's not anxious about them. Sometimes he, we, he, ice, he, he water skates on, on his feet across the water. He just walks sometimes in the storms. Like he's totally content with the storm of life you're in to give you the rest So we must try to get away. We can't try to get away uh, uh, just from everything, even the presence of God. We get away to be filled with the presence of God, the power of God. If you get away without the presence of God, to go Sabbath and rest without the presence of God, you're just drained. So take time, absolutely, plan time to get alone, to process, pray, to journal, to get refreshment and nourishment from God, but it's from God. Ultimately, I need us to see that this silence and solitude... Is an invitation to Jesus, just to come to him, to process. What are you going through in your life right now that you just need to process? Like some difficulty, some just confusion, some just sin maybe. What do you need to process with Jesus? To process, verbally process, maybe journal it out, verbally process. What do you need to process with Jesus? We get along for silence and solitude also to pray, to talk to God, to talk to him. Sometimes we just need to be silent and be aware of who He is and be filled with His presence and just sit in silence. Sometimes we need to, to get alone for silence and solitude to be nourished by His Word. Sometimes we need to, to get alone with God to pray for healing, for our own, our own, our own self, or for, the, for healing or praying for others that we need, who need healing or need help. And you just set a time to get alone to pray. Jesus tells us that the, the Father in heaven, our Father in Heaven rewards us when we pray in secret. Get alone to, to ask for things from God, to pray in order that he may hear and answer your prayers. Also, we get alone for silence and solitude just simply because we know God cares for us and wants to be near us. This silence and solitude creates this space for us to draw near to God. Moreover, it creates a space and a practice where all other spiritual disciplines like Bible reading, prayer, uh, journaling, uh, fasting, all these other spiritual disciplines we will talk about can actually happen. And so what can this look like? In the last few minutes, what can this practically look like? It, uh, one of the ways it can look like is waking up early, just simply waking up early. Like this is what Jesus did. We see, he, we see he stayed up late at night, so there's waking up early and staying up late at night. Those are the two regular rhythms Jesus had. Typically during the day, he didn't withdraw unless he was withdrawing from a, a crowd that wanted to kill him. That's the only time he kind of he ran away. He typically, in the morning, he, he understands he has work to do. So before the work, he gets alone, and after the work, he gets alone. Morning and evening can be your, your, your two ideas where, where you should make regular rhythms of, of being, uh, uh, having a time for silence and solitude. Uh, or you can just block out time midday. So sometimes I've done this where it's like 10 minutes in the morning, uh, 10 minutes right before lunch, 10 minutes right before I come home. Like those, And that, for some of you, that's a car ride. That's your car ride. So it can look like a car ride. No more podcasts, no more music, just silence and solitude. In the car. I do this regularly. It's rare that I ever drive with music. It really is rare, unless it's with other people in the car. And my wife always gets in the car, and uh, she drives music, and that's okay. Uh, but that's how I know she was. Um, she drove the car, is because uh, there's music. I'm like, what is this? Now I don't like music, I'm just, I'm just not used to it. I get in the car, That is, I don't have a lot of time for silence and solitude. So i got to use it in the car drive, in the, in the ride. I, you could go hike, you could go set time aside to do that. I love doing that. I love going for hikes. I love doing all of that. But... My primary time for silence and solitude is in my car. That's where it is. And so what we need to do is, is, in order to lead the life God has called us to do, is withdraw. We need wisdom from God. We need to make plans with God. We need to prayer, pray to God. We need to uh, confess sin. And we, we, need to, we need to draw near to God. Often, frequently, and then spontaneously when you need it, say there's, a, there's something going on in your life and it, and it just comes up abruptly. You're like, oh, I, I, need, I, can't, I need, can't make a decision right now. I need to process this. Can you take five, ten minutes, one minute? Maybe you're in a fight with your, your spouse. Maybe you, you're, you're frustrated. Maybe you're, you're frustrated with someone just in general. Can you take a step back for a moment and just ask God, God, give me your heart. Uh, is there something going on in my heart that I need to confess to you? Uh, give me clarity. How do I lead my family? How do I lead in this situation? I, I need your help. I don't know what to do. Ask, calmly wait, and then... Begin to plan, you'll be surprised how powerful the Holy Spirit just to begins to make things make sense. Things that were once unclear become clear simply because you tapped into the spirit and power and presence of God instead of just walking in your own ways. And so I'll say this if you're a worrier, if you're a worrier, silence and solitude is not, I gotta get a way to block out my thoughts. Silence and solitude is a time for you to take those thoughts to Jesus. Meaning, if you can worry, you can pray. If you're a really good worrier, you're a, you could be a great prayer today. You just take your worries and just tell them to God. That's what you do. And so many Christians fail to get to know God and, and withdraw to silence and solitude because they just see this, uh, this, this is just a disconnected uh, reality, this, this, this task that I just got to do. Yes, you got to do it. Yes, it takes discipline. But I need you to see you're meeting to hear with the living God. You're meeting with God. If your boss set aside a meeting time for you and scheduled for you to show up, you'd probably show up. God wants you to show up. Withdraw. be near him. And He wants you to want to. He wants you to love him. Until you don't, and If you're right now, I don't want to, then it's just going to be discipline and dr- drudgery. Do it. While you're doing it, ask God to give you a new heart. To change your mind, confess the sin. God, I'm drawing near to you out of out of obligation. I don't want to. I want to do it out of joy. Don't be surprised when He gives you the answer to that request. The point is, you will never experience and know the awesomeness of the presence of God and the nearness if you don't take time, plan, and go seek to do it. And so, we're reminded, James 4:8, like we spoke to earlier, says, God says, draw. If you draw near to God. He will draw near to you. There's the promise. Draw near to him; he's going to show up. And so, lastly, there's four rhythms that I just I'm just going to touch them real real quick. You should create daily, weekly, monthly, annually rhythms for times of silence and solitude. Doesn't necessarily need to be like a, a trip annually where you spend the entire time alone and, and in silence. But I'm saying just different types of rhythms daily weekly, monthly, annually, in order to withdraw, to be with the Lord God, to hear from Him. Annually may be a time we set aside to plan for the next year. Monthly may mean we're looking back at the last month. What do you want to do in this next month? Uh, uh, Weekly is just maybe re-examining your week. Maybe maybe I spend the time weekly uh, to pray specifically for our services on Sunday. Like, what what is it weekly can can you do? And then a daily, a rhythm, a morning, an evening, something like that. Five, Minutes to 20 minutes, set times, you're always going to show up. Can you do that?